Happy Earth Month, insiders. This Friday, Disney Nature and Disney Plus are taking us on a new adventure to the Arctic with their latest movie, Polar Bear. Narrated by two-time Academy Award nominee Katherine Keener, Polar Bear tells the story of a new mother whose memories of her own youth prepare her to navigate motherhood in the increasingly challenging world that polar bears face today. First, we'll hear more about Polar Bear from directors Alistair Fothergill and Jeff Wilson. And then Dr. Mark from Disney's Animals, Science, and Environment team is joining us to talk about his work at Disney's Animal Kingdom before taking on the Insider Five. Insiders, it's incredible to see these beautiful creatures in these vast landscapes. As we celebrate Earth Month, it's important to remember that the stakes are high and the message is important. There is work to do to preserve the world for future generations. The directors of Polar Bear, Alistair Fothergill and Jeff Wilson are here to tell us more about their new movie. Welcome both of you. Thank you, nice to be with you. Thank you for having us. So you both tell amazing stories. I'd love to hear about your history with Disney Nature. And Alistair, I want to start with you because it should be worth mentioning, of course, your work with Sir David Attenborough. Can you tell us about a highlight of that work and how we might see pieces of that in Disney Nature? I've been very privileged, as has Jeff, over many years to work with David Attenborough. Um, to be honest, it was his early work that inspired me to get involved. And we worked on a number of the big landmark series with David. Blue Planet, Planet Earth, and Frozen Planet. And those, of course, were documentaries. But making those documentaries, uh, we worked a lot with polar bears, individual sequences rather than whole stories. But it was that that actually persuaded us both that polar bears would make an amazing subject, a fantastic star for Disney nature movies. I mean, they are unbelievably beautiful animals. They have the cutest cubs on the planet, which is important for our big family audience on Disney nature. But also, I think more than anything else, they just seem to be perfectly adapted to the habitat. You know, they are the queens of the Arctic. Nobody touches them. They're the top dogs by such a long way. And that's very, very impressive. And actually, also, all the experience we've had working on the Attenborough series, we realized that we'd only told a tiny part of the story. And with the money and ambition that Disney Nature gives us, we've, we've been able to film so much more new stuff. And finally, we felt this was a very timely subject because polar bears are at the very cutting edge of climate change. It's happening four times faster in the Arctic than anywhere on the planet. So we felt we had a wonderful emotional story to tell about the top animal, in our opinion, on the planet, but also an animal that is really facing the greatest environmental challenge that humanity's ever faced. I mean, you two seem like you're the experts, especially in the Disney nature space. Um, you mentioned wonderful and emotional stories. Can you tell us any more highlights about your work specifically for Disney Nature? I know you both worked on Monkey Kingdom and Penguins together. Any fun stories from those? I think the great joy of working in the Disney Nature stable, as Alice has mentioned, is, is our ability to expand on our knowledge of the natural world, is to tell stories that really kind of look in depth at a character. So, for instance, in Monkey Kingdom, Monkey Kingdom was a fantastic opportunity for us to look at the social aspects of a primate group that we'd worked with before. And I, I began my career working with them on, uh, on a series for the BBC called Life of Mammals. And, you know, that was 20 years ago. And, and it's actually, it, it takes a little bit of time to, for those things to ferment, for the stories to kind of come to the fore and for us to really understand the in-depth stories that are behind it. Similarly with Penguins, you know, Alistair and I both worked on Frozen Planet and it was from that experience of working with the Delhi penguins in Antarctica that really allowed us to kind of understand the bigger story behind Adelis and their characters. You know, Adelis have fantastic characters. And interestingly, 
you know, you can go to that part of Antarctica and you can meet an Adelie penguin. You can meet right next to it, an emperor penguin. Now, your eye is drawn to the emperor penguin because they're incredibly beautiful. But emperor penguins are about as characterless as an animal gets. You know, they really are pretty stupid. And so, but Adelie penguin, <laughs> like penguins on caffeine, you know, they, they are penguins on caffeine with plenty of character and you don't want to mess with an Adelie penguin. And it takes a little bit of time to kind of understand that. And that's where the character of Steve comes to the fore, you know, and that's how you know that Steve would, would be a fantastic character to develop. So I think what I'm trying to say is that, you know, it takes time. It takes time in the presence of an animal. And, th and that's the great joy of our jobs is to sit and observe and watch. And what Disney nature gives us is the ability to have the ambition to sit, observe, watch. And when you do that, the natural world presents things to you like you would never believe. And, and, and character story comes from that, you know. And so it's almost unique. No other client, no other studio allows us to really develop those characters in that way. I love what you said there. You sit, you observe, and I'm not going to get that out of my head, Jeff. Penguins on caffeine. <laughs> uh, so then what's the timeline here? How long does it take for you to identify this particular story and how does it unfold from there? Jeff and I first started pitching this movie to Disney 10 years ago and it took wow. a long time. You know, they said, okay, that's fine. Go make a penguin f film first. So we did. And we kept on coming back and saying, there's a great polar bear film to be made here. We started work sort of five years ago. It was greenlit five years ago. And we filmed for three years and we post-produced um, for a year. But actually, I think this film is a product of 25 years of both of Jeff and my experience. We could never have made it without all the experience we've previously had with polar bears on planet Earth and Frozen Planet and on the Attenborough series. Wow, three years? Oh my goodness. So then <laughs> is that when you head in? Like three years at the beginning of that and then how long into that do you identify, okay, I see a mother and her cub. How does how long does that happen? Well, I think you, that's the reason that you have that length of time is because we're not in control of our characters. You know, no matter how many scripts Alistair and I write, um, you know, the animals don't read the script. Uh, and so there's an awful <laughs> lot of... Uh, relying on on chance and relying on and skill uh, but also luck and you know it's that combination of skill and luck that gets you in the right place at the right time and so um, the reason that you need extraordinary lengths of time to do that is you can go out on any given day and see nothing you can go out on any uh, two weeks and see nothing I sat on this film I myself and the crew sat for 19 days in a fog bank and a boat we could, that we couldn't see for more than 20 meters beyond the, 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 the side of the boat. And uh, and all we had to do is sit and wait for that fog to clear. And we tried to get out of it and we knew we couldn't find the edge of it. Um, but after that 19 days, the fog cleared. We found a sperm whale carcass and then 20 bears turned up and we worked solidly for 19 hour days for 10 days straight with only about two hours sleep every day. And that's what you have to do as a wildlife filmmaker is you take apart, you take the opportunities, you expand on them and you have to make it work for you because you're not in control of the elements and you're not in control of the bears. And that's why it takes a long time. Wow. So 20 bears. How did you narrow it down to who we end up seeing in the story? Actually, before we shot a frame of the movie, we had written a 40-page script, a classic Hollywood script, and we we decided that the story we wanted to tell was a female story because 
male birds are very, very solitary. And obviously cubs were, were vital to our film and um, only females have anything to do with the cubs. So that was a very obvious decision. But we also decided, and this was a more brave decision really, that we were gonna tell a story, a 15 year old bear looking back at her whole life. And the reason we did that is that over 15 years in Svalbard where these bears live, the ice has changed significantly. So we were able to tell that story of change. As Jeff says, the bears don't read the scripts, but we're constantly filming what we can and, and then seeing how it fits into our overall narrative. So one single bear did not tell this story. We had more actresses mm. than one because obviously you're filming for three years and it's a 15 year story. So we had different actresses and their cubs playing different parts in the narrative, one with tiny cubs, one with older cubs. You know. And we'd never do that in a documentary, but this is a movie and we feel we have the creative freedom to do that because of, because of the format we're working in. Wow, that's fascinating. How big is the crew that's with you that's trying to find the right actress in this instance? We always try and design the, sh the trips to have as few crew members as possible. Um, and I think it surprises quite a lot of people who work in the movie industry that our crews, you know, a, a big crew for us is 10 people. Um, a small crew is two. And so um, on this film, our crews tended to be in the in closer to the 10 people um, size, simply because, uh, well, for two reasons, really. When you come across a bear, you need to work hard and you need to work around the clock. The bears don't go to sleep at you know, 10 o'clock at night and wake up at six o'clock in the morning. They, they continue throughout the night and they might sleep for a couple of hours. Our crews have to really work around the clock when we have a character bear in front of us, say a mother in cubs. So, and, and to do that, you really need to be able to swap out. The second reason is, is that um, we always knew, Alistair and I, that we needed several angles on any given experience that we were trying to film. Um, so you have a drone pilot and you have a, a long lens operator. Each of those two uh, operators will have a guide each because operating out on the sea ice is very complex and very dangerous and you need somebody to look out for bears at the whole time. So already you're at four people and then you need two or three people to help run the camp. And then, of course, you have a director and, you know, so you get to about 10 people, but everybody on the crew is a specialist. Everybody who's there knows exactly is at the top of their game as to what their job is, you know, right from uh, Alistair and I down to the guides and the cinematographers. And, and the way to produce a movie like this is, is to really employ the best of the best. And we were very fortunate to work with, you know, the world's best wildlife cinematographers and the world's best bear guides. And that's how, that's how you get your, your film. It's interesting because you're documenting a family of bears, of polar bears, but then you're becoming a family within the crew. Are there any kind of special bonds that are formed that you can tell us about? I'd say special in inverted commas is what it is when you spend, you know, 19 days in the presence of uh, lots of other people with not very much to do because you have to be a very patient person and a very tolerant person. You know, I think we're all fortunate in our work is that we're all nature geeks at heart you know every single one of us is a complete nerd and and that's a leveler so you can be almost confident that at any one point you're in the company of somebody who thinks the same as you and who believes the same as you um, but also you know when you bring together that level of expertise it's like being at your own private TED conference you know it's it's you're suddenly swapping stories and experiences that you, you would get nowhere else in the world and 
And that is one of the greatest joys of our job is to sponge that information off each other, to hear each other's experiences, to understand each other's perspectives. And that makes for very, very close knit, well bonded teams. I love that, though. It's really exciting to see the bond formed on screen and to hear about it, how it's formed off screen. I'm imagining you're capturing a lot of footage throughout this in full. Like how many hours of footage do you have versus what we obviously get in the final product? Thousands. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Thousands. <laughs> That's one of the big challenges. Although, to be honest, compared with other Disney nature films, we've had far less rushes because Polar bears are so hard to film compared with penguin, for instance, where there's lots of things which are hard to film with penguins, but there's quite a lot that's quite easy when you're sitting among the colony. So probably we had about half the total amount of rushes in the end, but still it's a massive amount and it has to be very, very carefully logged and the editor uh, sees a relatively small proportion of it because uh, and we're constantly, actually through the process, we did a lot of pre-edits. So we, we're constantly shaping the film as we went along. So I'm curious then over obviously the many different films that you've done, especially within Disney nature, has technology changed maybe throughout obviously recording, capturing the content or just in general, anything that you can share? Well, ac across the, the history of Disney nature, I think when we when Disney nature first started, we were capturing in HD. So everything was recorded to tape. Um, and uh, in Alistair and I first started in the industry, we both were working in, in Super 16, which was, you know, film that you never saw until it was developed. So the technology has come on a huge amount. I think the interesting thing for me is that some of the core technology has always been the same. You know, a really good telephoto lens is the stock uh, of our trade, you know, is, is the thing that really delivers time and again. But it's up to us to tell a story that um, immerses the audience in the experience, that, um, that helps the audience understand how the animal connects to the environment. And so in the context of this film, drones were enormously useful for us um, because they've, they've got to a place drones where they are small enough, they have high enough resolution, they're quiet enough not to disturb bears. And, and you can get them up in the air in less than 10 seconds. And, and they immediately provide you with an angle that is a cuttable angle from the long lens uh, work that you're doing on the ground. And then second to that, you have these very, very highly powerful gyro stabilized units, which put our 50 to 1000 uh, millimeter lenses, huge telephoto lenses that give you 40 times magnification. And, but they hold them rock steady. And so if you're traveling on a boat or if you're traveling on a skidoo and you're you're using your telephoto lens to track with you, you can be a couple of hundred meters away from a bear and film it absolutely steadily and capture amazing behavior. The bear barely recognizes that you're there and gets us on with its own behavior. And so those things really are the things that the technologies that help us advance, you know, and create more interesting capture behaviors that are that we haven't seen before and give us new perspectives on, on behaviors that we've known about for a while. I mean, that's exactly right. Like we're getting a whole different perspective because of the way that you capture this content. And you're making me feel a little better, Jeff, about when I try to capture something on iPhone and I have like shaky, <laughs> you have this amazing technology that you guys the employ. The best camera is the one that's on you, always is the case. Tell us about Katherine Keener though, as she's the narrator on this. When does narration come into play and what do you look for in a narrator? We had to make a big decision early on that we were going to tell this film in the first person, which is famously a a really bad thing to do on movies. There's a whole um, battlefield of 
of movies that tried first person that never succeeded. So it was a brave decision, but Jeff and I were determined that it was the way to emotionally engage people in, in a story, which is very much told by one female bear. So clearly we had to have a female narrator and the decision for a narrator comes very late in the process, actually. We listened to lots of voices, and but Catherine stood out for us. And it was amazing. Our fear about the first person narration continued until literally the moment she first started speaking in the recording booth. And we suddenly realized, hang on, this is actually going to work. And it's difficult to describe it, but I think it's to do with the fact that she has an amazingly emotional voice without being emotional, if you know what I mean. It's a very subtle, powerful emotion, but and it's not overt. And actually, that's sort of the character of polar bears. They're not overtly emotional animals. Um, there are only some moments when you really see it. And, and the classic one in our movie is the young female bear meeting a young male for the first time after three years on her own. And there was pure joy in those bears. But that was special because that's quite rare. Well, it was pure joy to see that and to see this entire film. And obviously, there's a very important message to encourage people to recognize the state of these locations of the animals that you focus on. So thank you so much for creating Polar Bears. And we're excited for more people to see it. Thank you guys for joining us today. You're very welcome. Thanks for your interest. We're continuing the Earth Month fun with Dr. Mark from Disney's Animals, Science, and Environment team. Hello, Dr. Mark. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you so much, Lisa. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm really excited to talk to you today. I'm, I love so many things across the company that involve animals, <laughs> but I would love to start with how you got your start. <laughs> it's, it's perfect, right, that we're talking today. <laughs> Before we dive into that, tell us about your path that led you to Disney. Sure, Lisa. I'm. Uh, you'll tell from my accent. I, I get told I speak a little funny. Uh, some folks think I'm from Alabama, uh, <laughs> and others just have no idea where I'm from. I'm South African, born and raised, and I was lucky enough to grow up with regular access to real wilderness with lions and elephants, and you know, fantastic animals where. You know, you get completely immersed in nature with the, you know, sights and sounds and smells that you just cannot believe when you when you get there for the first time. So I, I grew up with that and was very lucky to do so. I always wanted to be a veterinarian. I apparently told my teacher in grade two that I was going to be a veterinarian and work with wildlife and um, turned out to be pretty accurate. So I'm actually very lucky. You know, I go, you know, talk to so many people who even, you know, reach 50 years old and still are figuring out what it is that they love to do. You know, so I, I, I truly feel so lucky to have really known, you know, here's a direction I wanted to go in. Um, so I've, I joined the company 10 years ago, and uh, it's been an amazing journey, a wonderful, uh, a wonderful, wonderful journey. And of course, I go back to Africa as often as I possibly can to go and enjoy some of those sights and smells and experiences that I was talking about. I can't get over the fact how spot on you were as a child wanting to be a veterinarian <laughs> and then the line of work that you've ended up in. It's so, so cool. May I ask, did you have any favorite Disney movies growing up that had animals in them that you're like, oh, and now it's kind of all coming together. Like, it's so perfect that you work for the company. You know, that's so funny. Uh, films and television programs that featured nature. I was just 
glued to. You know, you can imagine if I knew already back then that I wanted to be a vet, my poor parents were subjected to all manner of creatures in the house as uh, as I was growing up. You know, I, one of my favorite groups of animals to work with is, is reptiles. And I can assure mm. you that my mom on more than one occasion had to call me to say there is a snake crawling around somewhere it shouldn't oh. be and she was having to put it back again and uh, <laughs> and uh, she was uh, very brave uh, you know in in those days <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't even imagine she's very brave and I love that she has your direction guiding her through those moments. <laughs> so, well, also, congratulations on 10 years with the company. That's a major milestone. It is indeed. So, have you held this position throughout the years? And tell us, like, if you could, like, what is it that your job has encompassed? That's such a great question. I am uh, incredibly lucky. I've I've been in this particular a particular role for just about seven years um, and the previous one was was one level down from where I am now but I, I came through with the, the very hopeful intention of getting this particular role and I'll tell you why it's so special it's first and foremost it's working with amazing people who take care of amazing animals. So we've got a team of around about a thousand animal care professionals that are, you know, veterinarians, endocrinologists, biologists, folks that are educators, conservationists, um, and, and just people who are really passionate about protecting wildlife and taking great care of the animals we've got. So yes, we have lions, we have tigers, we have amazing creatures. Um, but then I have these other interesting parts of my job where our team takes a look at all Disney content in film and television that includes animals and nature. And just imagine how enormous that task is. And what we're looking for is we want to make sure that our content is accurate, right? It's a credibility piece for the company. But at the same time, we want it to be responsible. You know, there are certain mm -hmm. things that might come across really well in one country or one language or one culture, but not so much in another. Or there are, you know, animal trafficking issues or animal behavior issues that we don't want to replicate in films, you know. So we're thinking about um, our, our reputation there as well. Um, so that's a really important piece um, of what I do. Then I work uh, with the Disney Team Conservation. And these are the amazing folks that work with our Disney Conservation Fund. And they are out in the wilds looking at sea turtle nests. And, you know, they just recently hatched out our one millionth sea turtle. How cool is that? That's so um, cool. They, uh, you know, just do amazing things to protect animals and their habitats out there. And then really exciting for me is, is you know, our company has taken some really bold steps when it comes to environmental sustainability and framing up uh, 20, 30 environment targets. And, you know, companies are doing this a lot nowadays, and that relates to greenhouse gas emissions and plastics. Think of single-use plastic straws and things like that. And, you know, how do we how do we conserve water, for example? My team is, you know, playing quite a prominent role in making sure that Firstly, we set very ambitious targets for 2030. And secondly, that we're actually going to hit them 
because we're, we do the right things for the right reasons and we take great uh, time, care and effort to protect our environment that we work in. And that makes me immensely proud. That's amazing. I like that line. You're doing the right things for the right reasons. And it's really inspiring to hear that there's so many efforts that are in motion. And you're even talking about 2030 goals. Like, that's so cool. I imagine every day it's not the same because you're, you're, your job is so vast. But could you tell us some of your favorite days or some of the favorite things and memories within your 10 years of part of this team? My goodness, yes. You know, if if one's looking for consistency each day, you know, this is not the job for you. <laughs> uh, this is all over the place. But I like that. See, I'm I definitely relish. Uh, you know, multiple different challenges happening every single day. Some favorite days, you know, when we hit milestones like that one millionth sea turtle hatched out on a beach, you know, that is just one of those incredibly special moments. You know, we have a gorilla family here at Disney's Animal Kingdom. And one gorilla named Azizi was sent to us because she was unable to raise offspring she would have a baby and she just wasn't a good mom right she had grown up with people and not with animals so she didn't quite understand what her role was and they felt that she might be best off with us you know that we should give it a try so we got as easy and our amazing team trained her using a doll to hold the doll in a nursing position in which case she got rewarded with things she likes like grapes and then also to hand the doll over when she and she got really reinforced for that. Right. They made it a really big deal. Oh, look, she handed it over because you can imagine for a mom with a newborn, the hardest thing to do is to give that to somebody else right away. You know, so they trained her to do this. And would you believe it? The day that little baby gorilla was born, mommy walked up to her keepers, her, the folks that work with her every day, and they asked her to hand over her baby, and she handed it right over to them. They were able to clean it up, make sure it's breathing properly, the nose is clear, the mouth is clear, get all the membranes off, dry it off, weigh her, check her heart, and then they're able to give it back to her, and she was nursing it. Now, the you know, we didn't just let her go back to the group then and just ignore it. You know, the team worked with her every single day so they were able to bottle feed the baby so that it got more than enough milk right just in case mom wasn't giving enough so so the baby grew up with mom with her gorilla family with lots of love but also with a team of carers that gave her absolutely the best of everything those days are the days that I go home and I say you know what I'm the luckiest person in the whole world <laughs> I'm beaming and I like feel such joy in that story because I genuinely am such a big fan of Disney's Animal Kingdom and one of those offerings, the Gorilla Falls exploration that you're talking you about. Are. I can literally, I can literally sit there, Dr. Mark, for like an hour or two just in observation mode. And it's so cool to learn these behind the scenes stories of all the care and the responsibility that goes into bringing these animals out guests to experience so i think that that is just really really cool to hear about that well next it's time come that. and meet little baby grace and she is named after the gorilla rehabilitation and conservation education center that we 
partly founded, co-founded and support in the Congo, in Africa. It's a center for uh, gorillas that were rescued because their family groups were, were killed by poachers. It's a fantastic facility. And, and again, I'm so proud to support entities like that. So come and meet little Grace. She's very special. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to meet baby Grace. I love that story so much. And yeah, it's just a huge testament to all the amazing work that your team does. And in this episode, we're celebrating Earth Month. And so I'd love to hear more about what you're working on specifically for Earth Day and throughout the month. Well, that's such a great point. And, you know, also coming up, we're seeing a release of a wonderful Disney nature film, right, which we're all excited about, too. And I can mention that now, right? That's that's Yes, polar please. Bear. We'd, we'd love to hear more. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, of course, polar bears, you know, it's not a species that we have here at Animal Kingdom. This may sound silly, but polar bears love really cold climates. And, you know, Orlando, Florida is just not, <laughs> an ideal <laughs> home for a polar bear, right? We'd have to, you know, I don't want to go and build a, a huge refrigerated uh, facility for a polar bear. So we're celebrating them though, because they're fantastic creatures and the film Polar Bear tells an amazing story. It's such an, a, a beautiful, beautiful part of the uh, of the world and you get to see such incredible images. I think Roy Conley and the team did an amazing job. You know, I've not personally traveled to uh, the Arctic. I, I did spend last Christmas on the Antarctic Peninsula. So I've got a good sense wow. of, uh, of what the habitat looks like. Uh, of course, there are no polar bears down that end, but I saw lots of penguins and things like that. But again, you know, the Arctic's got a, a really important story to tell. Um, and, uh, you know, we think about weather events that, you know, all of us experience around the planet. And you just imagine the kind of events that polar bears need to cope with. And uh, they are just incredible beasts. And, uh, and uh, you know, the 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 biological system that they live within is just extraordinary so highly recommend that that's coming up in april and then you know each earth day we just like to celebrate the birthday of disney's animal kingdom you know it's quite fitting that it is on earth day and uh, that always excites us and we just love engaging with our guests and you know we do special uh you know, drinks and cupcakes and all sorts of things just to, you know, have the guests feel that there's uh, something a little bit different happening today. I hope baby Grace is there oh, yeah. <laughs> celebrating <laughs> as well. Oh, yes. I, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing about that. Yes, we were very excited about polar bear and for more fans to get to learn more about a very, very important animal such as polar bear. So again, love your work in the film and television space. And it's really exciting to see all your work in the content space. Tell us more about the conservation efforts that you're working on and how we can get more people involved in those ways. Thank you so much. That's a lovely question. And, and you know, we're so passionate, this wonderful team that I told you about, we're so passionate about protecting wildlife and, and the habitat that they live in. I mentioned the sea turtles already. I mentioned the gorilla orphanage. We have so many examples like that. The Disney Conservation Fund has contributed over $120 million dollars to field conservation programs around the world, working with 
very talented conservationists, biologists, scientists that are, are out there in the field and just helping them to do what they need to do to protect those habitats. And you can pick any region of the world. We've done something there. <laughs> we, we, uh, we just talked about polar bears and, and you know, we worked with Polar Bears International on that particular project to help them do what they do. Again, we have our own team of scientists and, uh, and they go out on our own property to make sure that, um, that we are doing the best we can for the wildlife and the wildlife habitats on our own property. You know, which, uh, you know, there's a lovely example for you. There's a little bird. It looks like a swallow. It's called a purple martin. And it's mm. it flies 3,000 miles from the Brazilian Amazon and comes to Walt Disney World, believe it or not, to <laughs> nest in nests that are provided by our team. And it raises babies here. It probably likes Walt Disney World because here in Orlando, there's a lot of mosquitoes, right? There's a lot of water bodies <laughs> and they like mosquitoes. So the babies have got plenty to eat. And, uh, and then they fly 3,000 miles back to the Amazon. And we know this because we put little transmitters on them and we know exactly where they go on their whole journey. And the following year, they're, they're back here again. You know, So again, who would have thought that? And um, we just have an amazing, dedicated team of folks who thought this was a great opportunity, got some nest boxes, put them out there. Suddenly there are birds coming to use them, put radio trackers on, figure out where they go to. You know, science doesn't have to be something you go to another continent to do. If you want to work with wildlife and you want to get excited about science, you can do it in your very own backyard. And that's exactly what we've done. Oh my gosh. I'm just in awe seriously even just by that story and it's again as a fan a huge fan of disney's animal kingdom the content that we put out it's so so exciting and so cool to hear even more about all of this i'm sure you're inspiring so many people in telling your story and all the different efforts that you've done a part of the company what would you tell someone who's excited about what you do and may actually want to get into this line of work down their path I would say most importantly, just be passionate about nature and what's out there and, and go and look for it. The more deliberate you are, the more curious you are, the more you're going to see, the more you're going to find, the more you're going to learn. And I just believe you should never say no to an opportunity. And when an opportunity pops up, it might be difficult. It might be awkward. It might be bad timing. It might be an effort. Don't care. Just go do it. Because it's incredible how one opportunity somehow leads to a contact that opens another door that you wouldn't have gone through if you hadn't taken that opportunity. And that has played over and over and over in in my career um so that's my that's my uh, best advice that i can share is just keep on going be passionate and be curious and take every opportunity you can wonderful wonderful words thank you so much dr mark and you know what we're even more curious now to hear about your disney fandom are you willing to take on the insider five with us let's do it what is your earliest memory of being a Disney movie fan? Definitely The Rescuers and uh, and Little Even Rude the Dragonfly. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how much I love The Rescuers Down Under and The Rescuers. Like some of those, just the music is still music sticks with me today. Yes. 
Oh, so good. I love that choice. You're invited to a Disney-themed costume party. Who or what do you dress as? That's an easy one. Captain Jack Sparrow. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Dr. Mark, nobody's answered that one before, but that's a great one. <laughs> Surprise. I like the surprises we're getting along the way here. It's Disney karaoke night. What song do you sing? I would have to say The Bare Necessities from The mm. Jungle Book. A fantastic film, fantastic character, Baloo, and a wonderful song. A round of applause. <laughs> oh, wow. And you're like, I got the octave for that song as well. <laughs> Wise choice. I love it. If you could only ride one ride all day at a Disney park, which would it be? Probably an unfair question because it has to be the Kilimanjaro Safari ride at Disney's Animal Kingdom. I can just go around in circles all day uh, very happily. Thank you. <laughs> Is there any other fun facts or something cool that you can tell our insiders here about it? Gosh, you know, it covers uh, it covers a hundred acres and uh, you get driven around on a safari vehicle and see these incredible animals and it's a great conservation story too, and a sustainability story. Those trucks all run on propane. Uh, they are not uh, diesel driven vehicles. They run on propane gas. So they are far more environmentally friendly. I'm telling you, I can't wait to go back to Disney's Animal Kingdom and do that again. It's just, <laughs> oh, it's literally my favorite. And to close us out on the Insider Five, which Disney character has the best life advice and what is it? What, what really appealed to me in Moana was Moana's granny, it was Grandma Tala, if I'm not mistaken, who said, when I die, I want to come back as a manta ray. And you may recall that it was almost like her spirit passed on into this manta ray and it was all lit up with bioluminescence. And that just felt really cool to me. I have a special fondness for manta ray. I love the ocean and uh, I was involved in bringing the first manta ray that came into the USA into an aquarium. It was the Georgia Aquarium and I brought her along. She was a, an animal was brought to me for treatment. She was caught up in nets and we managed to save her as a baby and I raised her for two years and she was almost 300 kilograms at that point. And then um, we put her in an airplane and brought her to the Georgia Aquarium and she's still there today. You can go and see her and she is absolutely magnificent. That's a magnificent story just right there in and of itself. Dr. Mark, thank you so much for talking to us today about Disney's animals, science and environment, all the wonderful things that your team does. I know that it's all rooted in animals and science and environment, but this has been a very magical conversation and telling us everything that you do and inspiring more people to get involved and learn more about Earth Day. Thank you so much. Oh, such a pleasure, Lisa. Thanks for the opportunity. That's our show. Disney Nature's Polar Bear streams on Disney Plus this Friday. To learn more and find out how you can make a difference, visit polarbearsinternational.org slash Disney Nature. So you don't miss any upcoming podcast episodes, subscribe and follow Disney Movie Insiders Presents. And while you're there, we'd love it if you gave us a rating and review. Visit DisneyMovieInsiders.com or our app and enter bonus code CONSERVATION. The code expires May 3rd, 2022 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific Time. Membership is required. Limit one redemption per account. Visit DisneyMovieInsiders.com for terms and conditions. We'll catch you next time, Insiders, with more Disney Movie Magic.